0: Socks. Known for being a garment. Famous for nothing else, really. Nobody thinks much about them, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why socks are secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks! Welcome to a whole new podcast episode—a podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. Two amazing guests join me this week. One of them is Danny Fernandez, who's a writer and an actress. You've seen Danny's work on Netflix and HBO and Comedy Central and more places from there. Also, Danny co-hosted a great podcast called Nerdificent, and I'm so glad she's on this podcast. I'm also joined by Dave Schilling. Dave is a writer and a podcaster with bylines everywhere. He just wrote a great humor piece for the New Yorker's Daily Shouts section. We'll have that linked. And Dave just put out the second season of his improvised comedy sports podcast, Full Court Chat. I hope you know Danny and Dave's work. If you don't, you get to meet them through this show, and I'm so glad they're both here. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Danny and Dave each recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino or Tongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about socks, a topic that I'm really excited to get into. It's so universal. It's so basic. It's so the title of the show. So please sit back or return to your sock drawer to wear your special podcast listening socks if, if that exists. I, I would love to know if there's a type that's the most cozy for it. Probably the warm type, right? Winter's coming. Yeah, that makes sense. And either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Danny Fernandez and Dave Schilling. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Danny Fernandez, Dave Schilling, it is so good to be here talking about socks with you.
1: Yeah, why are you so excited about this? This is a very mundane topic. So I'm like... What's going on with you? You want to talk about socks <laughs> What's your deal, man?
2: Is there, like, a socks? Like, there's wiki feed. Is there, like, a so- wiki socks? This I guy wonder? just goes
1: into happy feed on Sunset, just touches everything. <laughs> oh, no. All this stuff.
2: I was going to say, I... Somebody... I'm... We've found out that I'm on WikiFeet, but somebody got docked because they uploaded ones of me in socks. And I think you get like docked for that because that's not real <laughs> feet. So little weird factoid. Yes, that is a, an terrifying, interesting world.
1: Terrifying stuff. I will say. <laughs> I hope I'm never on any of those websites. I don't have nice feet. I have beautiful hands. And that's it. Well, there you Ooh. go. Perfect for the Zoom era. I know, right?
2: I feel like a traitor um, because I'm not wearing socks right now. So I feel oh. Oh, all right. I didn't even bother to put them on for this.
1: You can show us the feet now, and I promise I will not screen cap <laughs> this Zoom call and then post it immediately on WikiFeet. I promise I would not, I would not do that. This is a safe space for your feet. It's going to cost
2: you $200. <laughs>
1: oh, jeez. Is there a money thing involved? Sorry. we. Just,
2: I... No, not with that. This has gone yeah, off Yeah, Alex, the rails. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. You great. you were you knew yeah. what you were getting into when you asked. This is Dana called
1: digital jazz. That's what this is, baby. <laughs> we're just we're just freestyling. <laughs> uh, no, I well,
0: because socks are so universal because we all have feet, right? Uh, but I I start every episode by asking the guests what your it's your relationship to this topic, and and either of you, how do you feel about socks in a general way? Uh, what do they mean to you? Danny, you go
1: first, please.
2: Well, okay, so I. I never match my socks. It just, I don't care enough. So I have, (laughs) I have a bin, (laughs) I would say, just of socks. Um, It's in my closet and I just throw them in there clean, but I just pull whatever comes out. So if it's like a striped long one and like a short, like nobody really sees them. And even if they did, I wouldn't care. So I never match them, but I have a lot of athletic socks. Those are my favorite. Like the little um, low cut. Is that what? (laughs) thinking of how i use terms of like low-rise jeans it's like the low-cut um ones that are for like working out i wear those for everything so whether i'm working out or not cool um but they never match it'll be like a puma and a nike one but they're pretty cheap so i just buy them in like bundles and (laughs) that's my relationship (laughs) to socks
0: Oh, we just lost both those sponsors now. They're like, you can't match our socks. That's terrible.
1: Our socks are the best. (laughs) They have the the thickest thread count of any sock. Um, I have a similar relationship to socks in that I also do not match them. I I don't have the time. I don't have the inclination. Um, It's just, it's a hassle. I just shove them into a drawer. It's like, okay, this is a clean sock. This is also a clean sock. No one's going to see them. You know, except for, you know, intimates and, you know, significant others and stuff. Just going in the drawer. I also prefer the no-show sock. I'm from California. So, I think mm. because I'm so used mm. to the weather being warm and, you know, sandal culture and, and you know, sh- getting to show off your nice ankles, I just, I always wear a no-show sock even in the wintertime. I just think it looks better. I think I have decent ankles and I'd just rather the world get to see them. I like to air them out. Um, so I will mismatch those all the time and no one will know that I'm wearing red stripes with blue polka dots and that kind of thing. Um, I will wear normal socks obviously for, uh, you know, formal situations. If I'm going to a wedding, I'm going to court for, cause I've never been to court, but if I had to go to court, I'd wear real socks. I tell you that. Um, but yeah, it's, socks are just the most utilitarian thing. Even underwear, I feel like I take more pride in than socks.
0: I So uh, if folks don't know, you, you're both very talented, do many things. And also, you're I both know, so stylish to me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. But I, I think of it. you both as very, very stylish people. And I'm also excited to learn that you'll just throw them on. Like socks, yeah, sure. Like the rest of the things, what I'm doing. And then socks, I, any two I grab. Amazing. Great. But I feel
2: like... Dave cuz you do like if you're interviewing or doing events or whatever like you I feel like men have to have those like long socks. I always see them with like the striped socks cuz when mm-hmm. they full when they cross their legs or whatever mm-hmm. like you can see it. Like even when I'm doing interviews I pay attention to like the actors and stuff that I'm interviewing like do you feel that you have to
1: bring your A game for those? For socks? No, I really don't feel <laughs> that that's important. Like I understand what you're saying when you cross your legs. Yeah. People are going to see your socks, you know, there's going to be some sock peaking. Um, so it is more visible than underwear. Uh, at the same time, again, I just love an ankle. I like an ankle. I don't like how itchy they uh, socks can be when they're longer. I don't like how they bunch up and then I have to pull them back up. Mm. You know, I, my father was of the generation where you could still wear the stirrups that keep your socks up. Oh. But I'm Love not going to do that. That's that's like I think he learned to do that in the military, which he, he was in the Air Force. But your I'm dad not. was
2: from the 1800s. I <laughs> yes,
1: no, they had these little they had these little little fastener guys that like hook around your ankle and they keep your socks up. He was a weird guy. That's why I'm the way that I am. But um, no, I I, I, I like a I'm a California West Coast kind of casual person that also sure. wears suits all the time so the, the, the dichotomy is what makes me fascinating
0: <laughs> that makes sense to me because i'm from like northern illinois upper midwest and i don't know if it was a climate thing or what but i grew up always wearing socks all of the time like bare, bare feet situations were really rare like maybe you're on vacation on the beach presently otherwise socks no matter what which is probably weird
1: yeah. 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 I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. It's it's definitely a climate and a cultural thing.
0: And I and today's question, I, I wear socks I think about all of the time. Like if I don't have socks on, I'm about to shower or sleep. And otherwise socks. Like it's just the, the foot does not touch the floor. Forget it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> My ex boyfriend <laughs> would wear socks to bed, but I don't know how it didn't bother him. It'd always be like half coming off. Like one would be off and one would be half off. And I'm like, oh, that yeah. would be so traumatizing to me. <laughs>
1: yeah socks
0: in bed is chaos i, I agree
1: yeah oh yeah. yeah that's that is monstrous i feel ill thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. i couldn't i could not sleep i run very hot too so if i have yeah. any clothing on say for a pair of underwear i'm not going to bed okay yeah. this is just a fact i need as much like draft and air and like I don't need separation between me and the world when I'm asleep. The socks in bed is that's a, that's a crime. That's depraved. Yeah, I, I think Jeffrey Dahmer probably did that.
2: <laughs> There's easily people listening who wear socks to bed. I can guarantee I'm that sure. they will tweet yeah. at you and be like, "I wear them. They keep me yeah. comfy."
1: Email me at uh, DaveShilling at gmail.com and we can talk about how sick you are. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> right. You're sick.
0: I love how everybody listening has their own specific answers to all of this. Like, it's such yeah. a universal item. So, we've got a few reasons here. The first set of them comes in the first segment. It is a set of quick uh, numbers and statistics about this topic. And that's in a segment called,
1: That's what she said!
0: Uh, and that uh, name was submitted by Emily. Thank you, Emily. There's a new name for this segment every week submitted by listeners like you. Please make them as silly and wacky and as bad as possible. Submit to at us, on Twitter, or to sifpod at gmail.com. Uh, but we got a couple of big takeaways we'll get into. First, we have stats and numbers about socks. And the first number is at least 1,500 years old. 1,500 years old. That is the age of the oldest surviving pair of socks Ooh, wow. in the
1: world.
2: But we definitely think that they were that they existed before then. Like Jesus had socks, right?
1: No, nah, he's a sandals guy. Or so that was he a sandals have, guy right yeah. there. But, but in all the photos, <laughs> we all know that he all wore. The, in all the photos, I'm I sorry, he wore <laughs> you know. <all> <laughs> those- <laughs> The daguerreotypes of Jesus. Right, right. Um, my bad. I meant paintings. The photos of Jesus.
2: In all of his interviews, he has stated he is a sandals man.
1: Listen, I wearing socks to bed is stupid. I would never do that. That's my Jesus impression. It's pretty good. I'm working on it. but It's, it's so far. So I'm workshopping it. It's. I'm, I'm auditioning for SNL next year.
0: We'll see. yeah we it's a weird thing where something like socks have been around probably since the stone age according to the Guardian cavemen used to use pelts or animal skins as like a foot wrapping and that's not really a shoe you know like that's a slipper or a sock or something like that um, but the Victoria and Albert Museum in London has a pair of wool socks that were knitted in Egypt in either the 300s or 400s or 500s uh, and they're still hanging together and I, I sent you guys a picture of it's like a a weird red foot sock that has a big uh, joint between the big toe and the other toes. Oh yeah,
2: it's terrifying. Like it looks like we used to be aliens at some point, and <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a claw. Yeah. It looks like a lobster claw. <laughs> there,
1: there's a there's a, a fashion house that makes shoes like this. It's called they're called oh. Maison Margiela, and they make shoes that have like a like a like an indentation between the I guess your first two toes and your last three toes. And uh, it it looks like sort of like this, but not quite so claw-like in the sense that this literally looks like a lobster uh, because of the color. But uh, it is interesting that that kind of idea has now circled all the way back thousands of years to modern day um, Western civilization.
0: Yeah.
2: I wonder if they knew something we didn't know because they have it separated in the middle of your toes. And, you know, when we wear sandals, it's always your big toe is separated from all your other ones, like in a, um, flip-flops or whatever. So I wonder if they knew something. They seem to be way smarter than us at all times, <laughs> like back, back, in the, back in the old days. Um, so I wonder if they knew something about balance or arch support with separating it between your two to three toes as opposed to your big toe.
1: Yeah.
0: It would be cool if we, if we adjusted our sandals slightly, suddenly we're amazing at building pyramids or something. <laughs> like, oh, now we've unlocked the stability and strength. Now, okay. I'm just going to heave blocks. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and you're right, Danny, that it is like a sandal based split in the toes. They, they styled their socks to have a split between the toe compartments for a thong type sandal to be their footwear and for it to be comfortable. Uh, so they were doing these socks and sandals look. Uh, you know, many, many, many years ago. Also, the socks were, I think, pretty popular, at least with wealthy people. Next number here is 47. 47 is the number of pairs of socks that were buried with Tutankhamun, King Tut. Uh, so when they he died in 1325 BC, uh, the tomb was excavated in the 1920s, and they found the remains of a lot of pairs of socks and a bunch of other clothes.
1: keep them toesies uh, warm and toasty, you know. In the afterlife. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. That makes sense.
2: I wonder if they thought he would need them. That doesn't sound prepared enough for the afterlife, though. Because whatever they give him is like, this is supposed to last you in the afterlife. And 47 socks doesn't seem to last for infinity, if I'm doing my math correctly. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like less than a year. Like, that's not... I'm sorry, Dave is shaking
1: his head. No, 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 no. What I, I was going to say is like... They 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 didn't have a ton of time to put you know a thousand socks in there. Forty-seven was probably the best they could do under the circumstances. <laughs> one
2: sock a year. Yeah, we gotta we got we gotta get this guy
1: in the tomb. We gotta shut that thing and we gotta move on. We we can't be making socks for this guy. He's dead. <laughs> he
0: died. The next number here. This is a sports thing. The number is five, and five is the number of pairs of knee socks that were worn by the nba player jason terry during games he would wear five pairs of knee socks all at once stacked up on each other while playing nba basketball as a professional
1: that is strange i i, I knew he did this um but i will say someone who's you know played basketball uh, on a very low level pickup level the the you're most concerned about your legs because you're jumping up and down yeah people are stepping on your feet i I rolled my ankle um the day i was supposed to go to um look at the venue for my wedding i was married once and i was playing basketball because i played basketball every saturday morning yeah for a few years and i come down uh right by somebody else's leg and i just roll my ankle because I wasn't wearing enough ankle support or, you know, I had oh. low, low top shoes. And so I was hobbling around Catalina Island with this oh. giant swollen ankle trying cakes. It was horrible. But I think that's probably part of why Jason Terry d- the, d- did that. You know, he probably was concerned about his legs, concerned about his ankles. And also, you know, it's just superstition, too. I wore a Band-Aid on my finger when I played baseball. So I broke my finger, and I was like, I need to wrap this up. Um, After it healed, I'm like, I'm just going to wear this Band-Aid. It'll make me feel a little safer. Um, Just weird superstitions. A lot of athletes get into that kind of thing. Totally.
2: Dave, rolling your ankle before looking at wedding venues is what some might call an omen.
1: An omen, yes. Well, (laughs) I don't don't know how superstitious my ex-wife is, but she is... uh, Certainly aware that it was not a good idea to get married. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I just think mo- mobility-wise, I was going to say this does not make sense. Like, it feel like having five pairs of socks. I mean, you know, I could maybe see it with baseball players. But NBA athletes who are, like you said, jumping around running, like, I just don't see how that would... If I have, like, three, two to three pairs, I'm very uncomfortable. Plus, you're, like, putting that in your shoe, and, like, I just don't think that you have as much mobility and movement, which I know you're saying, like, to protect the ankle, but, like, it just seems too much.
1: Yeah, I think it was probably a superstition on his part. It's like he did it once in, in, um, you know, um, high school or something, and he's like, well, I shot better because I was wearing five socks. I'll (laughs) never take these five socks off. (laughs)
0: We'll also well we'll link people to a New York Times interview with Jason Terry, which is uh, everything he said. David's right, and it's also gets stranger. They asked him why do you wear a headband and five pairs of socks for every game, and he does a long explanation of the headband and then just says the high sock style came from my father, who I saw wore them high in a yearbook picture. The five pairs is just a comfort thing. End quote. That was a, like oh it just feels good. Um, And then he also said that, uh, I guess, his dad was not in his life very much growing up. And then, quote, back in college, he got back into my life, and now he lives with me in Dallas. The socks are definitely a tribute to him. We are real close right now, end quote.
1: See, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. I feel better about it. So it's a
0: whole, like, personal journey for his five pairs of high socks in the game.
1: Yeah. Everybody has a weird story about the things that they do and why they do the things that they do. And uh, that's why I'm enjoying talking about socks is because we can learn about each other. Is that nice? Oh, that felt
2: Isn't great. That nice? I feel like this is when he said it was his comfort. I feel like that's his little weighted blanket. It's like his <laughs> yeah. because it's so he has like five layers on, so it must be like a little nice, a little mini weighted blanket on his ankles.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like me wearing my band aid for no reason,
2: You and Nelly, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I didn't wear mine on my face, though, at least. Jeez. What a weird guy.
2: I love that being a fashion statement that he probably just nicked himself shaving, and then that's how it became um. An I think icon. he said it was a
1: prison thing.
2: Oh, is it, though? It was
1: some sort of prison thing. That makes you tougher, but yeah, I bet it was like, I cut myself
2: It's shaming. a prison I've never been, but... Um. <laughs> Don't contact yeah, me. I can't Nelly, say really. he's
1: wrong. I, I haven't been to prison.
2: That's true, but I feel pri- I feel things on your face in prison are more permanent than a band aid. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. No. Um, I agree,
2: Nelly. You can also write that Dave Shelley, that Gmail or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, go for it, big guy. I love the I love all your songs.
0: They're great. Well, and very last numbers here. This is uh, basically based on my googling. But I got very curious. What are the most expensive socks I can find online? Right, like what's the priciest sock we can do? And the most expensive I found, the price is one thousand two hundred and seventy-five dollars for one pair of socks uh, from a brand called William Abraham. Uh, they're made of something called survelt, and the site says survelt is the super fine down fiber of a rare species of New Zealand red deer.
1: As someone who likes nice clothes. I feel this is obscene. <laughs> Even though I think things, I like nice things. I like nice suits. I like um, you know nice glasses, nice shoes. Man, I'm not. I don't buy nice underwear. And I don't buy nice socks. I have Calvin Klein underwear. I got it Nordstrom Rack, and I have socks from H and M, and that's good <laughs> enough.
2: <laughs> Heels make sense to me. Like those are a fashion statement. Women will spend. You know, I've never spent a thousand dollars on a heel, but I'm sure there are women that have. Yeah. And those are very like they make the outfit. It's very socks. Nobody sees. Nobody is seeing this thousand dollar pair of socks. Like you could invest in a handbag or whatever. I'm just so confused. I already hated it. And then finding out that they're made by like this special type of deer that probably should be left alone um, <laughs> <Right>. also <laughs> yeah. also makes me hate it. But the thing that I hate most about these socks, listener, is they look just like every other sock. So you can't even tell. Like if they were neon and glowing and, I don't know, made you jump higher or something, I could maybe see you spending $1,000. <laughs> but um, this is obscene. And they're just beige. They're beige of all colors, beige.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. It, I think um, there's probably a mentality within the the hyper rich of like I can do it. Why wouldn't I? So for you and I, and, and you know everybody listening to this, we see value in things that there is a there is a reason why something is valuable, rather than it just being expensive. It's nice, or it gets you attention, or people think you look good in it, or it says something about your status. When you're hyper-rich, nothing has any value. Mm. It has no meaning. Everything is disposable. So it's like, well, yeah, I'm not going to buy a pack of, you know, Hanes socks. I'm not going to go to Kirkland Signature at Costco and get socks. I'm going to get expensive socks because guess what? This money means nothing. Who cares? Like, I I, I, want to know that I murdered a deer for these socks. So that I can (laughs) feel something again. (laughs) Some kind of... Joy or pleasure.
2: I uh I don't know. I'm just I'm still can't get over the fact that nobody would know that you spent this money. I just would want <laughs> no like I know. want a dollar sign on them or something, and I just need people like I would casually bring it up in conversations. <laughs> I would just cross my leg.
1: <laughs> I would pull out my wallet, unroll the receipt, and just be like, You see that? I would just That's like these, you know, I would socks. cross my yeah. legs
2: and my socks would show and just like <clears throat> <Right. laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I got these socks uh, from this New Zealand deer. Uh, actually, they were $1,000 with tax, actually, 1200 So <laughs> I don't know, even if you had glasses, like I'm looking at y'all and you have glasses on, like at least like I would yeah. tell maybe for like they were super expensive, you know, or something like the brand on the side or I don't know, but nobody, gosh, that's such a flex to just spend that much money and no one will ever know and it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll only tell people the brands that I wear if they ask. Like, where do you get your glasses? And then I'll say. Or where'd you get your... Dave, sunglasses?
2: we are not multimillionaires. But, yeah, That's I
1: what. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's tacky to talk about where you bought things and how much they cost. I'm not a tacky person, but I guarantee you, wealthy people are very tacky. They are like, tacky. Insanely wealthy people are the tackiest people <laughs> on the planet.
2: I'm also surprised because wealthy people are some of the cheapest people I know. And yeah. that's why they have so much money. Like, they don't tip. They, like, they're so cheap. They're cheap to, like, their like, it's wild. I was a nanny for a couple of, of wealthier people, I would say. And it's just insane. I'm like, oh, this is why you have money, because you don't give it to
1: anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also, to be that successful... Beyond success, like we all want to be successful, but there's a level of success for someone like Jeff Bezos. And I'm not speaking about Jeff Bezos as though I know him, but I'm just saying you have to be a certain level of selfish in order to achieve that kind of level of success. You have to be thinking about yourself all the time. Right. So you're not thinking about other people when you tip. (laughs) You're thinking about, "They they didn't earn that. I earned my money. And that constant, like, need to prove what you earned is why I think people uh, of wealth will spend money on themselves, on socks that are from a deer from New Zealand, but not tip and not be generous and not give back the way that they should.
0: Yeah, that's right. The
2: first thing I'm going to do when I get rich is buy these socks. (laughs) But I'll tag, I'll tag the company. I won't say anything, but it'll be an Instagram post where I tag the company. So oh. it's like a small flex where if people clicked on it, they would a see. A subtle
1: flex. I like it. <laughs> I love that idea.
0: Yeah, these socks, the way I could relate to buying these socks was I thought about like, yeah, you know, in like an RPG when you've kind of beaten it and you have all the items and the money and then you're still playing and you just do some silly stuff. Like like the gold pieces now mean nothing to you? That's when I purchase these socks. That's when I do it.
1: Now, for for, for clarification, it is the pair, correct? It's yes. not one <laughs> sock. Yeah, good question. It is, it is both left and right. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just making sure.
0: Yeah. Dave, I, I know you want to throw this into your random socks drawer so you can just wear one and then the other one's normal. Mm-hmm. I see
1: it. I see the plan. This is all I can afford. It's just the one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working my way towards the, the match, but not. It's just that's stretching my budget a little bit. Well, I think from here we can get into the
0: first big takeaway of the show. It's about normal socks. Takeaway number one. If you bought a pair of socks in the 2000s, there's a pretty good chance those socks came from a Chinese sock production super city. That's a thing going on. Uh, it, there's a, uh, especially in like the 2000s, that first decade, there was a very specific town in China called Da Tang that was the center of world sock production uh, for as far as I can tell about a decade. And uh, nobody knows about it.
2: That reminds me of the sunglasses one. Did you guys see that little bit on like, it's actually like all of our sunglasses are made in the same town? there and like oh, literally wow. like so it, they're not even when you're buying like expensive ones they're really not that different from the production of the they're like all made in the same town so i think they have a couple of those in china where it's like that town is just dedicated to making that particular product and then like they'll change yeah. a, tiny specifications for different companies but that was fascinating
1: yeah i learned that there is one city in russia that makes all the asbestos in the world oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're really desperate to sell to the Americans. <laughs> so I guess it's just easier to concentrate all of that mm, activity mm-hmm. into the same place. I guess that's why, you know, the entertainment business ended up being in basically one place, is because all the costumes and, you know, camera equipment and people, manpower, people power, cars, trucks, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All that stuff could be in one place. It's just cheaper. It's just more efficient.
2: Yeah, so back off Atlanta.
1: <laughs> yeah, Atlanta. You think I'm going to move to Atlanta? Yeah, you would. I mean, I would. I yeah, would. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'm not. It's a nice, it's a very nice town. I like it. I've never seen that many black people in one place in my whole life, honestly. And I that, I say that as a black person. I have never seen that many black people in my life. Love it. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's a wonderful town.
0: Yeah, it seems great. So all of the songs. I'm I'm still not over a city in Russia making all the asbestos. That sounds like, it's like a Mad Libs of things I don't want to be around. Boy, oh boy.
1: Yeah, I think it's called something similar to the word asbestos, and that's where they got the name. Wow. Oh, God. And they were devastated when we (laughs) passed all those laws banning the use of asbestos. (laughs) So I think that's one of Putin's reasons for being so interested in our current president is... uh,
2: I feel the lifespan would have it's to be best. like thirty. Like
1: Yeah, they have a lot of health problems there. Yeah. Wow. Not a great place to grow up. Why? It's that in Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Cleveland's nice. Cleveland's very cute. People in Cleveland are very
2: nice. They're very um Clevelandy though. They can talk trash about their city, but you better not talk trash about their city or right. yeah. they right. will um throw a burning trash can at you. <laughs>
0: Well, this, uh, this town is called Datang, but it is nicknamed Sock City because it's producing all of the socks it possibly can. And we have two main sources here. There's a 2004 New York Times article and a 2012 article in The Guardian. Uh, but they both talk about this town in Zhejiang province in coastal eastern China. And as of 2004, it produced 9 billion pairs of socks per year. Billion with a B. Uh, it's obviously more than a pair of socks per person on Earth. And they were putting that out every year, all the time. And I guess by 2011, they ramped up to about two pairs of socks per person on Earth. So uh, I'm still like looking for sources that are more recent, but it seems like for at least about a decade there, just this one town, like you said, Danny, it was a city where they concentrated everything for making this one thing uh, in a way you wouldn't think is possible.
2: This is what is filling our oceans, everyone. I just want you to know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. There's a there's an island the size of Delaware just with socks. <laughs> uh, I wonder what that's like, though, to grow up in a place like that, because the expectation would be you are going to go into mm-hmm. the sock business. And by the sock business, we mean you are going to, at a, at the age of 12, start making socks for someone rich. Uh, that must, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, and they're not getting paid well. You know, they're being paid, sure. I'm sure, below a livable wage times a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I, I, you, in America, even though there is a very strong caste system, like a class system, there isn't that feeling, I think, for that many people of just, like, hopelessness. Of, like, this is it. I'm going to make socks for the rest of my life in a factory. But for some a place like that, that That must be it. Like that must be you know. you're going to school to learn how to make socks. You're not going to school to learn um, algebra or um, you know world history or something. you're, you're learning about uh, weights of various fabrics. <laughs> I don't know, or just how to press a button on a machine. like but I that's think Dave, that
2: you might be looking at it differently from an Amer- Western perspective because I bet
1: with mm, them, mm-hmm. it's
2: like a, a stability. It's like I know I'll have a job right. and therefore I can focus on, you know, other things as as far as like um Stability with their family or who they're going to marry or who, you know, their kids or whatever, if they know that that's their job, then like imagine if you had like a set job that you knew wasn't going to change. And so you could take that off of your, yeah, yeah if we probably look right. at it, because yeah, we have, a we, are, we actually, our quote unquote American dream is one that we're raised in a way of like, you can be anything and do anything. And I think that's also why we're really unhappy is because you're like, well, I could have been, you know, an equestrian <laughs> and done this and that because I can do anything. And actually, if we told Told our children, right. you can't do anything and be everything. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> oh no! I'm kidding, but yeah. I do think
2: maybe some people should not be told. Like anyone can be president, and then it should be like you know maybe just uh, some people, some people. Um, <laughs> but I do think that's why we, some of us, are. Uh, we we compare ourselves, right? And so I think if you lived in a I'm just saying, like I wonder if you if you knew like oh, I'm going to take this on and you didn't know that there were other possibilities, you might just be okay with it that j- just, you know, growing up just knowing that you were going to do that.
0: That's all that's all great. And then the articles bring in one extra element where basically China introduced capitalism to this region and then that's how it's it's kind of a sudden sock boom town in a lot of ways. Apparently, in the late 1970s, uh, Datang was a rice farming village with about a 1000 people in it. And then also, according to the New York Times, a few locals just tried to like hand make socks and sell them by the road. And the government told them to stop. They said this is too capitalist, cut it out. And now it's got like cookie cutter sock factories everywhere. It's got a government financed marketplace for socks in the middle and produces more than a third of the world's output of socks because they flipped a switch and they said, now capitalism, now go. And there's a bunch of people becoming like overnight sock factory millionaires because they owned and built a factory.
1: Dang. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And it's also, and these articles say they're making more than a third of the world's socks. So I figured like, most of us have worn them, probably. I don't have any proof, but just, just the way the numbers work, I would think all of us have worn them at some point.
1: Yeah, if it's bigger that many socks, I mean, yeah. good grief.
2: Something that connects us all. We're six degrees from Kevin. That's one degree from Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon probably wore those socks. And <laughs> yeah. now we're all one degree from Kevin Bacon. Wow.
1: Kevin, call me, baby. <laughs> Let's make something happen. We both wear socks. <laughs> Nelly
0: can come too. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be really good.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, we can't. No, we can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No, Nelly. No. Mm-mm. This is this is my show, Nelly.
0: <laughs> there's also there's two other things with the sock city. One is that it is next to a bunch of other what are called lump economies. Like this, a lump economy is a whole bunch of businesses do the same thing. Um, the Guardian says sock city is northwest of tie town, east of Sweatertown. It's also near Kids Clothing City, Underwear City, and Button City. So uh, there's just all these different cities that have become a super specific producer of millions and millions of a garment all the time.
1: I wonder. If uh, and like
0: we said, the labor practices aren't great, but, but uh, uh, the scale is
1: astonishing. I yeah. wonder if there's a kid who's like, I can't believe I grew up in Button City. I want to be a Thai guy. <laughs> and It's like, eh, I'm going to meet somebody who's going to get me into the Thai business. And screw these <laughs> buttons, okay? Buttons are a hack job. I want to be in ties. <laughs> well,
0: and also the latest news I have on them is from around 2012, 2013, because the last thing about them is it seems like the boom kind of slowed down. Like the, the Great Recession started hitting in 08, 09, and then apparently it, the knock on effects started reaching China a few years later. And in 2012, 73 clothing firms in Sock City went under. Uh, The biggest one was a company called the Anli Sock Group, making 60 million pairs of socks a year. And uh, an economist at China's State Information Center said that they could prove to be, quote, the Lehman Brothers of DaTang, end quote. So there was this, like, sudden worry that, like, are are our sock companies too big to fail, right? Like, our giant sock economy. What do do we do? Uh, I hope it worked out okay. But I haven't been able to find uh, newer sources than that. Off of that, we are going to a short break, followed by a whole new takeaway. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one.
1: We're all set for Max Fundrive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan, Jesse, Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes.
2: Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there, like, like, really quiet.
1: And try and creep them out. (laughs) (laughs) It's just really boring.
0: Because of Jordan, right? Not me.
1: Because of both of you.
0: Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grownups. We have another takeaway here, and I think it's exciting science news so we can get into it. Takeaway number two. (laughs) Smelly socks are a potential tool in the fight against malaria. Uh, And I know that sounds sort of random. But uh, there have been a few studies in the last few years that use smelly socks as a tool for figuring out how uh, the mosquitoes that transmit malaria work and what they are attracted to. So what are they attracted to?
1: Is, I guess, the question. The socks? Yeah, so
0: they, uh, there's three studies here, but the, the gist of most of them is that not only are mosquitoes excited about smelly socks... But they are also even more excited about the smelly socks of people who have malaria, uh, which is oh. a parasite, and it's transmitted through mosquitoes biting people for the most part. Okay. The scientists here in these various studies are using the many things we know about where uh, like the smelliness of smelly socks come from, and then also doing some pretty strange experiments uh, with the socks to, to
1: check it out.
2: I always thought mosquitoes were attracted to sweet. Like, I always – my mom would always say they were attracted to me from, like, my sweet blood or whatever, that I just – I'm sweet. I smell sweet, you know. I feel they bite women more. I have, like, you know, especially the fruity, like, lotions or perfumes and stuff we wear, that they're more attracted to sweetness. But I guess I'm smelly (laughs) is my takeaway. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> your mom was putting you on. She was yanking your chain.
2: <laughs> I was a smelly kid in class. This is hard news to take. Yes. <laughs> I'm well, terrified you. for how they found out about this study. It reminds me of those people that have to smell for deodorant. Somebody is smelling, like a smell tester is smelling these socks <laughs> to determine if they're smelly or not. Like that's, yeah. somebody's doing the dirty work.
0: So we'll link, it's a bunch of, advanced chemistry stuff, but we'll link a Discover Magazine article called Bacteria Give Feet Four Distinct Odors by Jason Tetro that breaks down uh, various chemicals that lead to various kinds of foot smell uh, in a smelly sock. But and then from there, first study we have here was done in 2011 at Tanzania's Ifakara Health Institute. And what they did is they went into a Tanzanian village and placed traps full of smelly socks throughout the village. And they found that mosquitoes were attracted to socks up to four times the rate they were attracted to humans, which uh, is one study. But potentially that's a very useful tool for just like luring mosquitoes away from people. And their hope is if you combine that with mosquito netting, you can like tamp down the spread of malaria because uh, mosquitoes, among many things, they're, I think they're attracted to apparently. Uh, one of them is stinky socks, if you just put them in, like, a bucket and, and draw them away.
1: Well, thank God, because I feel like there's more mosquitoes in Los Angeles than ever, and it's driving me nuts. My ankles, my bare <laughs> ankles that don't have socks on them are constantly being bitten. No.
2: <laughs> when I lived in Texas, we had West Nile. It's, like, a thing you have oh. to deal mm-hmm. with there. Yeah. So, like, and I'm sure they. I think here, too, they, like, migrate, Yeah. Like- it-
1: yeah. yeah, it does happen here now, um, and they have mosquito abatement districts where they spray, mm-hmm. you know, pesticides that are supposedly not harmful for people but are supposed to kill off mosquitoes that congregate on, around standing water and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I guess socks and mosquitoes are two of the most universal things, huh? Like, almost everywhere people have both going on, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> unfortunately.
0: We have the tools, you know? Um, mm-hmm. The other, the other two studies here, real quick, one of them was in 2013 at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. It says the scientists collected human odor on nylon socks by having someone wear them for 20 hours. So there's the dirty work. And then they put those with clean socks into a mosquito enclosure and found that mosquitoes infected with malaria did much more landing on smelly socks. Uh, so this was a test of, oh, if a mosquito carries malaria, is it specifically interested in smelly socks? Yes, it is. Uh, And then the other study is 2018 by that same team, they tested school children in Western Kenya for malaria and then gave them all a pair of socks to wear overnight to soak up their body odor. And then when they did tests with the socks that the kids wore on mosquitoes, they found that mosquitoes were much more attracted to socks from children who currently had malaria and then uh, much less attracted to the socks of kids who do not. So wow. so broadly, there's some kind of uh, smell that gives us tools on like, OK, mosquitoes go toward these chemicals from people with malaria. This is this helps us know how the spread works and how to fight it.
1: Great. Yeah.
0: You would never think so. Just smelly socks are
1: a problem uh, to everyone yeah. else all the time.
2: What else can we solve with them? I mean, <laughs> have we even tried?
1: Smelly socks are going <laughs> to save democracy in this country. Thank God.
2: Smelly socks are going to like save small businesses or something. <laughs> this is the platform they're running on. We're going
1: to take these smelly socks and we're going to make a uh, plant based artificial meat out. Of it. We're going to save everybody. Be so cool. Yeah. And
0: they explain it all with sock puppets like, here's how it would work. Um, <laughs>
1: <like> <laughs> and just like stink lines like from peanuts coming off the sock. Brilliant stuff. and, uh, And we
0: got one more takeaway for the main episode here. Let's do it. Takeaway number three. Baseball socks were designed to prevent baseball players from dying of leg wounds. Good God. Which I know sounds way too intense, uh, but that was a thing they believed around the turn of the century, uh, going into the design of those famous like baseball stirrup socks. And I, I sent you guys a picture of a mm-hmm. modern player wearing them, but uh, the way traditional baseball socks look was for a specific medical purpose.
1: Yeah. Uh, as someone who played baseball through high school, um, I played at a time, the you know early 2000s when stirrups showing your stirrups was still very cool. And people, you know, you wear oh, yeah. your pant legs up to your knees and, you know, you'd have the stirrups on. And that's kind of out of fashion for, for professional baseball players now is they all kind of wear their pants down to their, their ankles. But uh, I would imagine, not knowing this this origin of the stirrups, just assuming that you're supposed to wear them because they look neat, I assume it's because you're wearing sharp, metal, on your on the bottom yeah. of your feet right you're wearing right. cleats and so if you slide and this is a this was a fear i had all the time is either i'm going to get slid into or i'm going to slide into somebody and i'm going to tear up their leg cuz you've got metal sticky uh, you know like sharp metal yeah. now that the cleats are kind of less uh, of a projectile when i was playing they were kind of like flat they almost looked like teeth but for a long time they were just like sharp Like they were almost like the heads of darts (laughs) and you can really cut somebody up. So I assume that that was part of it was, was the worry of, of someone sliding into your leg with their cleats up.
0: Exactly right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if all the listeners or people know that like when you see a baseball player sliding, it's usually feet first. And throughout basically all of the history of baseball, they've been wearing sharp metal cleats on their shoes. That's
1: like guys get spiked kind of all the time. Yeah. It's not fun. It's, it's no, I, I don't like, I did not like even being close to a, a cleats, but, um, I played first base. So there wasn't a lot of sliding in the first thing. Thank oh, I was the one yeah. sliding. So I, I avoided all of that kind of, um, danger.
0: Well, if you were a gentleman, you would just mash a towering home run every time. And then it's not a problem. <laughs> you know? I
1: think you should consider that. I never hit a home run in my life. Never. Okay. I came very close. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> uh, I came very close. It was ninth grade. I think it was. It was little league, and we were playing on a field that did have a fence. It had um, an adult, like baseball fence. It's hard to clear. This foolish man threw me a changeup. It was like a seventy-five mile an hour changeup. And with a slow bat like mine, I was ready and I just crushed it. And I just narrowly missed the fence. Like it bounced right b- before the fence. Ah. And then, you know, in high school, like actual school baseball, I didn't get to play very much. Yeah, yeah. I was on the bench to make jokes and entertain everybody.
2: <laughs> I like that you said this foolish man, like he wasn't also 13.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was also 13. <laughs> and he shouldn't have thrown me that changeup. <laughs> I, I used to make fun of him because we, we were on the same high school team. And I was like, I almost hit, took you out. I almost hit a home run off of you. And he's like, that's because I threw a change up and you couldn't hit my fastball. It's like, doesn't matter. Should have thrown the change up, dude. You should know me better.
2: And where is he now? Probably trying to do pyramid schemes or something.
1: He's a firefighter. No, he's a okay, very wow. Oh, he's a good person. <laughs> Billy Elcorn good man firefighter protecting <laughs> went in people the other
2: directions like no he actually lives an amazing life and he's a hero and he's incredibly attractive so um
1: i wouldn't go that far but he's uh, he's he's sacrificing himself for uh, for people all fire which is people
2: cool. are hot just by association so yeah i guess so yeah. yeah they have to be attractive in order to be and or just putting on that suit makes them attractive so <laughs> it's like yeah.
0: a
1: magical cape that's why I wear suits all the time, but not firefighter suits, but they do make me look more attractive. So.
0: And, and if you are a firefighter, you are allowed to wear socks in bed. Got to be efficient. Keep it up. Good. Great job. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good point. Okay. I take it back about the socks in bed if it's a vocational thing.
0: And with the, the baseball socks stuff, uh, we'll, we'll have a picture links, but the, the stirrup socks that we were talking about... It's a thing where baseball players, at least in the past, had like a white sock and then over it a colored sock, but it was just a little stirrup down by their ankles and the color was all above it. Mm -hmm. And our main source here is uh, a great like blog and show. It's called UniWatch. It's now part of ESPN. But they did a uh, like flashback article about the evolution of socks in baseball. And in the 1850s, uh, baseball uniforms were just long pants. They basically look like they're wearing a business suit. And then in 1868, a team in Cincinnati started wearing knickers. So their whole like calf and ankle was exposed and you could see their red socks. Uh, And that team eventually became the Cincinnati Reds. Like it was a big origin of colorful socks in baseball. But what happened is uh, guys were spiking each other with their cleats all the time. And then around 1900, people started to wonder, hey, if I get like a spike wound and the dye from my socks like the really bright uh not healthy dye gets into the wound maybe it is infected somehow and maybe this uh, harms me and for some reason there like aren't really any documented cases of this happening it just became a fear and so then from there they started wearing a white sock underneath their colorful sock and then raising the colorful sock uh and doing a bunch of like preventative medical planning To make sure they didn't get a sock dye infection uh, from a guy spiking Mm. them, which is all pretty grisly. uh, But that's how like baseball uniforms
1: became what they are. Whole thing. Wow, I had no idea about the the aspect of the um, infection. I I just thought it was like extra padding. But yeah, I'm sure they didn't use very safe dyes at that point. Yeah, you can get infected
2: really quickly though. Like who's that? um Dave, who's that football player, the quarterback who messed up his leg like last year or the year before? Alex Smith. Yes. It's Alex. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's insane. Like just from this injury, his, that's why his Mm. leg, it just, it got infected and it it, overnight was just like horrible. I watched the little documentary they did on it and he's back like playing now, but I mean, he almost lost his leg from that infection. You can get infected so quickly. Uh, in yep. these settings, especially like if you're surrounded by uh, sweat and like the, the bacteria of other people and whatever, like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyways.
0: And especially turn of the century when medicine is just like a guy guessing or whatever, you know, it's a really difficult time to, to keep things like, sanitary. Yeah.
2: That's why I was so surprised about, I mean, this is a millionaire, like a millionaire quarterback of a huge... Yeah franchise and he can't he almost lost his leg like how far have we come you know (laughs) with medical stuff like i mean i guess we have because now he's back to like but i don't know his leg will never be the same but still it's like an infection can can we're still just human one degree from kevin
1: bacon (laughs) kevin call me email me at dave uh, shilling at com. (laughs) kevin (laughs) You and I are both human babies. Let's go. <laughs> That'll break a bit, yeah. <laughs> we're all part of the same human race, baby. Let's go. I
2: want to start. I want to start using that when I like want to talk to a celebrity and be like, "Yeah, we have. I mean, we're both human." So, like, there we go.
1: <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't deny that's true. You got me there. Let's yeah. do it.
0: Let's send that. What's a good experiment? What if we send that to every celebrity Chris? Because there's several of them. Like every Chris, see how many Chris's return. Mm. I think we might do pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have my thoughts on the Chris's, <laughs> but I'm gonna keep those to myself.
2: <laughs> I feel like Hemsworth might be into it just because he's into weird stuff. Oh, I, I
1: am I feel human. Like you could
2: catch him All on right, a good day, and he'd be like, good. "I am human."
1: He seems like a nice.
2: <laughs> Was that a pirate? I'm a
1: pirate. pirate. Yeah i i don't <laughs> I don't do voices. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. It, was,
0: it was almost Jesus. It was like Australia Jesus, Holy. I think.
1: is not that Mel Gibson? There you go. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding.
0: There's also, there's one very last baseball thing. And again, we'll have pictures for people. The white sock was called a sanitary sock or a sanny. And then stirrups uh, were worn so you still have a colorful thing on your leg. Uh, and then people wore them kind of higher and higher over time. But, uh, but like Dave said, by, by now, especially starting in the 90s, players just started wearing pants long and not bothering with the special socks. Um, and so today when players wear stirrups, often it's like yeah. a cool, exciting thing. Uh, and Curtis Granderson is a player who is known for wearing high stirrups and socks. And in 2017, he was uh, acquired by the Los Angeles Dodgers mm-hmm. and tweeted that, quote, each game I wear my socks high in honor of Jackie Robinson. Today I did it in a Dodgers uniform and it felt really special, end quote. Uh, Because it's like become a medical thing that's now a throwback thing that can now be, uh, you know, signaling something specific about you. Because the rest of the uniform is kind of the same, but the socks, people have options. Yeah, yeah.
2: It does make sense because there's so little that you can change with your uniform that I feel a lot of players... um, in other sports as well, will change up their socks and their shoes because that's like the one singular thing that they can do. Yeah. It's, like have a little flair, their personality.
1: Yeah, or their shoes. Yeah, you know, shoes, um, socks. Everything else is kind of, this has got to be the same. It's got to be mm-hmm. identical to everybody else. Yeah, too many rules, man. Forget it. (laughs) That's why I stopped playing sports. All those rules.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was why. Not because
1: I'm old, but because there are too many rules.
2: (laughs) Dave's anti-establishment.
1: I'm a rebel, baby. (laughs) Kevin Bacon, you're a rebel too, right? Email me, dog. He
2: is. You're a rebel, buddy.
1: So much in common.
0: Folks, that is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Danny Fernandez and Dave Schilling for fearlessly sharing the truth that neither of them match their socks up unless it's by chance. Also, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons there get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is Socks Clinton. That is a name. I wonder if you remember who Socks Clinton is. Visit sifpod.fun for that bonus show, for an entire library of other bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring Socks with us. Here's one more run through the big takeaways takeaway number one, if you bought a pair of socks in the 2000s, there's a pretty good chance those socks came from a Chinese sock production super city. Takeaway number two, smelly socks are a potential tool in the fight against malaria. And takeaway number three, baseball socks were designed to prevent baseball players from dying of leg wounds. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. Danny Fernandez is at Miss Danny Fernandez, and that, that's like the abbreviation MS, Miss Danny Fernandez. She's Miss Danny Fernandez on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll have links for you to follow her there. Dave Schilling created Full Court Chat with Dave Schilling. Seasons one and two are out right now. He's also got a new humor piece out in The New Yorker. All that comedy is linked in the episode links at sifpod.fun. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. There's a pair of Sock City articles. The one from 2004 in the New York Times is called In Roaring China, Sweaters Are West of Sock City. That's by David Barboza. There's also a 2012 article from The Guardian called Sock City's Decline May Reveal an Unraveling in China's Economy. And that's by Tanya Branigan. A great NPR article called What You Learn When You Put Smelly Socks in Front of Mosquitoes That's by Rina Lesko. And an article from ESPN's UniWatch blog, which is an amazing sports thing. It's all by Paul Lucas, and this article's called Friday Flashback, MLB's Sock Evolution. Find those and more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by The Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. And special thanks to you if you are an American who is an eligible voter. Because I I know everyone has been telling you to vote. The thing is, if you listen to this podcast, you are a saint and a genius. So I know if you're an eligible voter, you did it. Uh, This podcast comes out the day before a truly important election in the United States. Thank you so much for exercising your franchise and trying to steer it in the right direction, if that is something you are empowered to do. And an additional, very different thanks goes to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show, which is about American politics in a very specific way. And thank you to all our listeners. I'm thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then.